welcome to State of the Nonprofits. I'm your host, Autumn Vest, Executive Director of MSS. Nonprofits are the heart of any community, and here in the Permian Basin, it's no different. This podcast is designed for people who want to make our community better. The ones who work in nonprofits, serve in nonprofits, or the ones who are just beginning to seek out a way to make life better for others. This is where we'll talk about the challenges and hurdles facing our nonprofits and the people we serve. We hope to discover and share some incredible stories of impact and success. Today, we are visiting with Chandra Coleman, coordinator for the Family Resiliency Center of the Permian Basin. Before we begin, I want to give a warning that topics addressed in this episode may be a trigger. Those topics may include mass shooting events and community trauma. We hope you will continue to listen, but if you cannot, please connect with the Family Resiliency Center, which offers a wide variety of services and connections for community organizations and individuals. Contact information is available in the show notes. Family Resiliency Center of the Permian Basin was designed to be a place of support for those who were directly and indirectly impacted by the tragedy of the August 31st, 2019 Odessa and Midland mass shooting event. With the recent tragedy at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde and so many other communities across our country, we wanted to bring some attention to this incredibly important resource here in the Permian. Chandra Coleman, coordinator for the FRCPB, welcome. Of course, Autumn. Glad to be here. You guys are very busy right now. We are. (laughs) So tell me, what is the mission of the Resiliency Center? I think your intro covered it really well. Our mission is to help people find their new normal and get back to life the way that it was before the shooting in 2019. So how did it come to be here in the Permian Basin? Immediately following the shooting, there were several uh, members of the community, but also different organizations, including Permia Care, which is the local mental health authority, the American Red Cross, um, the nonprofit management organization, the Department of Public Safety, um, the school districts, both Ector County and Midland, and so many others that I'm absolutely going to forget to mention, and I'm sorry in advance, um, departments of emergency management, things like that, who began to meet and tried to determine what resources and services these communities needed in order to begin healing. And from that, the Family Resiliency Center was born, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, The idea was being developed. The Office of the Governor uh, agreed to provide funding through Victims of Crime Act funds to open and develop and create uh, our programs and allow us to provide all of the resources that we provide at no cost to the community. And so that's how we were born. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's so incredibly important to know what services that you offer in the community. The most accurate list right now is we have uh, trauma-informed counseling, individual and um, family and couple. And then we have a variety of what I call alternative therapies, but, but what we call as programs creative expression experiences, including art and cooking classes. And then we also offer music therapy and movement therapy. We have other services like psychoeducational groups, trainings, um, including psychological first aid, skills for psychological recovery, and then four different curriculum offerings for mental health first aid. And, uh, And then the final service that we offer right now is critical incident stress management. 
So if an organization or business has a death within their family, their employees, their staff, things like that, we can actually go on site and provide a debriefing group, which I refer to kind of as like an intro to grief. Mm -hmm. And so we go and help them process their experience and their loss and then get them connected to people who offer grief counseling, whether that's us or someone else. I'm, I'm really intrigued by the mental health and psychological first aid. What is that? So I'm going to start with psychological first aid. Um, that's the initial services that would be offered immediately following a disaster. So when people are still in a shelter or a family reunification center, when everything is still kind of fresh and new and people might need help coming up with an action plan for, you know, what's next for them or for their families. Um, And then that's followed by skills for psychological recovery, which is kind of the ongoing coaching piece, again, in the aftermath of a disaster. Mental Health First Aid is an international program. It started in Australia and is all over the world now. The purpose of that training is to teach people how to recognize signs and symptoms of either mental health challenges or substance use challenges. And so we teach adults how to help adults, adults how to help youth, teens, how to help teens. And then there is a public safety specific curriculum. And we do that in partnership, of course, with Permia Care. And so they offer uh, also a curriculum for veterans, higher education. So that's kind of the difference. One is a, a general kind of like a CPR for mental health and substance use. And then the other one is disaster focused. I think that's really fascinating because when we think about a major emergency, we think about a major event, whether it's something as as terrible as violence or a fire or something more natural disaster, we don't necessarily think about the mental health. We're making sure people have clothes and food and shelter, but we're not thinking about how they're necessarily processing all of that. And I think that's pretty incredible work. Thanks. That's pretty much what PFA does. It combines, right? We're going to make sure basic needs are met, um, but we're also going to make sure that we're providing referrals and connecting people to mental health help as well. And and we do it from a very culturally um, inclusive way, right? We want it to be something that no matter where you go, no matter what the disaster is, there's even pandemic specific um, information in that training. So That's pretty wonderful because we all know the pandemic. I think I had a conversation yesterday. Everything is either pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, and then everything that happened during pandemic is this cloudy, murky maze of up and down and nobody really can figure out the timeline of. Right. And they can't remember most of what happened. Yeah. Right. Because it was basically one small traumatic event after another and the developmental interruptions, you know, graduating high school, weddings, funerals. It was, a, it was a major impact um, all over the world. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, I do think it's interesting. And so who has access to this kind of training with the psychological first aid and things like that? I know just last week you guys offered this training to anybody in Texas. You know, talk to me a little bit about your audience there. So right now we're leaving it open um, to anybody in Texas for the foreseeable future. We offer that training at least once a month. It's done virtually. So anybody can access it, again, within the state of Texas because of what's been happening. We want to make sure that people have access to correct, good information and that we are equipping people to help their communities. Our services are, as a general rule, available to anyone who was directly or indirectly impacted by the shooting in 2019 here in Odessa and Midland. There's 350,000 people between the two cities. So I really have not ever had to tell anybody no 
if they lived in our area or, you know, were visiting the area or heard about it and were traumatized by the event. We've been really fortunate that the governor's office recognizes the importance of the services and resources we provide. And so we've we've been able to help a large number of people, which makes me very happy. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, you know, I think for any of us that lived here during the event, even if we weren't here, I was physically away from town and I know that we were glued to the news and I know that there are a lot of people that were impacted just in in just wild ways that continues to impact their lives today. Right. And I think that's something that what brought me to want to have this conversation with you truly was the impact of the Uvalde school shooting recently as a mom for me. And that's what really made me think, you know, I know that this resource is available in our community, but I don't know that it's really widely known, especially as our community spreads, as we get further away from where you're physically located. I think people start to lose sort of that connection. Um, And so that's what drew me to want to talk about what you're doing here. Thanks. We also saw an uptick in re-traumatization after the Uvalde shooting, um, the Tulsa shooting now added into that, like every, all of the acts of mass violence, because it causes people to remember in the media coverage, although appreciated because it allows us to kind of stay aware, that alone can actually trigger people to have memories uh, or trauma reminders um, of the shooting that we had. And so we've seen an increase in people reaching out, asking for resources, connecting with us. And so that's been a new challenge, but obviously we're up to it. And, you know, like I said, the more people we can help, the more people are helped. And I'm never going to turn down those kind of opportunities. It's not how I'm made. Sure. Well, obviously, you know, we and nonprofit are not in it to uh, pad the pockets and, you know, become rich and famous. We're doing it because we have passion around the work that we do. And I think that's pretty clearly with what you guys are doing here. So you talked a little bit about you can go into an organization that's had a death or a loss within those groups. What kind of training can other nonprofits come to or how can they partner with you? Any of the trainings we offer can be offered uh, on location as long as I've got access to tables and chairs and video equipment. Um, So we can do them here. Obviously, you know, but your listeners don't. We have space for training. Um, And so we can do that or we can come on site. I don't think there's a nonprofit or even any kind. I mean, we've been in hospitals um, and provided training. And so there's not really a location where, you know, as long as as long as we're safe, um, we'll go. So when you talk about training, and it's one of the things that actually interested me with MSS, as we're also a facility manager, Mm -hmm. one of the services that you offer is helping people prepare for or be aware of active shooter response. How does that work? What does that look like? Thanks for remembering that we offer that because I completely forgot to mention it. (laughs) Hey, you know. Um, So I'm certified to teach civilian response to active shooter events. We come and we teach within the facility. We talk about what to do, how to protect yourselves, other people in your space, and how to be prepared for that. And then the other one that that reminds me that I never remember to mention is ask about suicide to save a life. Mm. I do a significant amount of suicide prevention and intervention training. And today is actually the 12th anniversary of my best friend's death by suicide, which is why I do what I do. And so, um, and that can also be offered offsite or again, here on location. My goodness, you are, you are just a, a plethora of information and opportunity for support. And I think that's really incredible. Thanks. Thinking about how nonprofits can partner. I know you guys do referrals as well. How do nonprofits get into that circle with you and what can they do to be a support? Um, I guess contact us is the easiest way to begin that conversation. We have no issue referring to other 
nonprofit or, you know, other agencies in general uh, in order to provide additional resources to our client base. I am the sole counselor in this space. And, you know, I've referred people to several other uh, agencies here in the Permian Basin. We would love to be able to partner with more nonprofits. You know, if our services fit, then that's great. Counseling is available to those 14 and up. Our classes and groups right now are all adult, but we're looking at the possibility of adding some 14, 15 and up groups for the summer since kids are out of school. Yeah. So we'll refer or accept referrals from from anybody. It's really, we have to network, right? Yeah. Um, nonprofits don't tend to spend a lot of money on marketing. So that word of mouth referral is really important. It is. And I think the theme of what we do through State of the Nonprofits is to find a way that we can talk to each other about what we're doing, why and how we're doing that, and maybe find opportunities that we can connect and and be better partners for each other and for our communities. Right. So any thoughts or anything that we've missed that you'd like to share about the Family Resiliency Center? All of our events and classes and things are posted on our Facebook page, which I'm sure you'll include in the show notes. So reach out. You can contact us by phone, email. Our website is under construction, so just be aware of that. But Facebook is is current because I'm in it every day, making sure that we are connected. So the big piece is just reach out. And if you're not sure if we have something that will help you or will be a good resource, then ask. Um, And if we're not the right fit, I'll make sure we get you connected to whoever is. Wonderful. Now, I do think it's important to say that you are the only center of this type in this part of Texas. That is Is that in the entire state of Texas as well? So there are other centers who offer similar services to us around the state. As far as I know right now, we are the only fully funded program through the office of the governor. I suspect that'll change with Duvaldi, but I don't know what that looks like yet. But there is some type of a resiliency center in Santa Fe, um, Sutherland Springs, El Paso, and us. So right now, I think there are four in the state. Well, that's good to know. Thank you so much for your time today, for allowing me to pop into the center. I know that it is a very busy time, unfortunately, with all of the events happening. Our favorite hashtag is hope and healing happen here. I'd like to take a moment to send our thoughts and prayers to all of the families impacted by the recent violence in Uvalde and Tulsa and other parts of our country. Thanks for listening to State of the Nonprofits. Look for us again wherever you find your podcasts on Thursday, June the 23rd. We'll be having a conversation with John Trischetti, Executive Director of the Literacy Coalition of the Permian Basin. Thanks to our partner, Recording Library of West Texas, for their continued support.